Coming up, what an excellent day for a spooky Halloween bonus episode. Bleh! It's alive! Well, howdy, folks, and welcome to a very special, spooky, scary Halloween bonus episode of The Exorcist Minute. My name is Lester Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And I'm Andy Nelson. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, folks, we have a very special guest with us today. That voice you heard might sound familiar if you listen to the Marvel Movie Minute show on the True Story FM network. That's T-R-U story.fm. And actually, Andy has done an episode on The Exorcist in his other show, The Next Reel, and I highly recommend you go and check that out. This is Andy Nelson, host of the Marvel Movie Minute show. Hello, Andy. Hello, hello. Yes, we've done that in a lot of horror movies over on The Next Reel, so I'm thrilled to talk about horror some more. Awesome. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited that you're here. Okay, so now, folks, this is a show where we normally examine, extrapolate, and excavate the Exorcist Minute by Terrifying Minute. However, on this very special, very spooky episode, we shall not be talking about the Exorcist, but instead we will be sharing our thoughts on horror, the horror genre. We'll talk about horror movies we've seen recently, old favorites, favorite Halloween memories, uh, what scares us, and even get a little socio-psychological... Uh, psycho sociological we're going to talk about uh, uh the brain and the human condition and uh what some of our favorite monsters might actually say about us um but yeah this is unscripted unedited we're recording this quick so we can get it out to you for halloween um if you're listening to this after halloween we hope you had a safe and spooky time if you're listening to this on halloween hey thanks for making us part of your halloween fun if you're listening to this before Halloween, how are you doing that? That's weird. <laughs> I do need to step in and mention, so Lester and I are from Nevada, so Halloween is Nevada Day. Happy Nevada yes. Day. Home means home. Nevada to you. Yes, yes. Home means the hills. Home means the sage and the pine. <laughs> wow. wow. How do I remember that? Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> that's... A, you know, sing it every day in elementary school. You know? Oh my gosh, yes. You know, Sorry, Along with the Pledge of Allegiance, we had to do home means Nevada, home means that. Yeah. Um, I remember... Oh, man. But that was a really cool uh, kind of benefit to living in Nevada is that I didn't realize until I got, you know, like was a little bit older that uh, nobody else gets Halloween off. And I was right. like, what? But we do because it's also Nevada Day. We used to. Yeah. Now they have oh, tied we, it to the weekends. You know, it's either Friday or or Monday in rare cases, depending on what's most efficient for the state bureaucracy. So oh. now it's different. <laughs> Well, dang it. So now we say, yes, Halloween is, is real Nevada Day. The other one is, is fake, you know, state holiday. <laughs> Home means Nevada. Home means get back to work. Hmm. Okay. Well, <clears throat> um, okay. So, uh, yeah, uh, one of the reasons I decided to do this episode, guys, is I recently saw Hereditary. Uh, yes. Have you guys seen it? Lovely yeah. movie, yes. Okay, all right. Um, I know I'm really, really late to this. It was released in uh, uh, 2018, I believe. Um, but I kept hearing about it as I was preparing for this show, The Exorcist Minute, doing all this research on The Exorcist, and I suddenly become aware of this other movie that people are comparing it to now, saying it's as scary as The Exorcist, it's the modern Exorcist, and so I had to see it. <laughs> and so, guys, I watched it, and let me tell you, Hereditary... Ari Aster is one of the most well-crafted, well-written, beautifully shot, masterfully acted films, not just horror films, but films I have ever seen. Mm -hmm. 
and I hate it. <laughs> it makes me feel so bad and so sad and so scared and I hate it and I can't wait to see it again. <laughs> oh yes, I saw it late, so I I don't know if I told Andy this, but the um, uh, I am I'm a real uh, wuss when it comes to ho- uh, horror movies, so I have to sort of oh. get dragged to it, or you know I ha- I teach at the University of Nevada Las Vegas at UNLV Film, and so sometimes I'll put in a film um, that's a horror movie that I just won't watch by myself. I'll put it into class <laughs> so that I'll, I'll be forced to watch it. Uh, I really really have to force myself because they 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 affect me too much. I'm too scared, so so I put in the Baba Duck into my family fantasy class and I put an audition into my um, Japanese <laughs> uh, cinema class and, and a, a friend of mine um, was a huge huge fan of um, of Hereditary when it came out and I missed it in theaters it came back to the dollar theater and he could call the dollar theater and say hey how long is this running so he went to the very last show of Hereditary oh, in theaters um, wow. and it scared the crap out of me and I stayed up all night with the lights on and I couldn't get to sleep <laughs> Yeah, I, I saw it in the theater, I, so I, I lucked out on that count because it was a uh, it was a really uh, great one to see with an audience on the big yeah, screen. Bet. Yeah, I had a fantastic time, and it's you know I, uh, you know my wife has fluctuated with her interest in horror. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, she's really not too excited, and I have young kids who are slowly growing into horror. But at twenty eighteen, neither of them were really ready for something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, I recently just took my daughter to Smile, so I mean, I can I've oh, been gosh. able to get her out oh, and God. stuff. But yeah, Hereditary was one that I saw by myself and uh, just, uh, yeah, I loved it. It was just a very creative, uh, you know, really interesting, compelling story. And mm. I, I think Ari Aster is, you know, the, it's, it's an interesting time for horror. And Ari Aster is definitely mm-hmm. a modern filmmaker who's doing some interesting uh, uh, things in the horror genre, like Midsommar, his next oh, movie, sure, which yeah. is also an incredibly uh, compelling horror film that is full of bright colors and smiling people. And this was right. Yeah. yeah. An interesting time for horror uh, because a lot of, um, a lot of our, our tours are coming up through the horror space because now yeah. as, mm. um, as you might know, like uh, the only real path for independent film that, that is more, you know, there's no guaranteed path to having a, a, a movie that makes its budget back at the box office. But the most guaranteed path is to make a low budget horror because they're cheaper, yeah. they're easy to market. Um, mm. And, uh, and the distributor, are more willing to take chances on them so we've had a lot of our major and and and, and distributors too like a24 or bloom house they they have yeah. really uh latched onto that as as a new model of doing low budget uh horror films or thrillers or genre pictures a, as a way to kind of you know tap into big audiences and you know make a lot of money back on on their uh the budgets that they spend so it's it's mm, a right. smart approach you're right. So that that's a, a trick right now where, where there are some, you know, budding independent filmmakers who don't want to do horror. And it's like, well, what if what if you told your story? But what if it was a horror story? And could yeah. possibly do that? <laughs> but I just was uh, shown The Witch by my friends who are big fans of that. And that's by oh, Robert yes. Egger, uh, mm. Eggers. And, um, you know, his subsequent films are very interesting. And, and um, uh, I've seen them, you know, out of order. <laughs> but The Lighthouse, which is, I think, um, you know, his masterpiece, it has sort of the trappings of horror, um, you know, so it doesn't feel like, oh, this is so far removed from the guy who made the witch, but it's really just mm-hmm. one giant fart and dick joke, you know. Well, <laughs> it's, but it's, it's very psychological, though. I think you could argue that it's a psychological horror, you know, is the. Mm-hmm. Oh, the lighthouse, yeah. Yeah, the lighthouse. But right. very funny, <laughs> but, but, but also just hysterical, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, maybe. Wow, I have to see that. Oh, the lighthouse is wonderful. You should definitely see it. it yeah, it's a psychological horror film, as Andy's saying, but just yeah. incredibly funny. Okay, I've been I've been kind of looking at um, uh, uh, Eggers and and Aster the way that you're like you you cross a, a pond and you're just like finding stones and he's like you don't want to fall in very 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 tentative very kind of like <laughs> I don't know you know um, 
for hereditary for me so i didn't get to see it in the theater i just you know got it on amazon and watched it on my computer um but you know i tried to make it as as spooky as possible you know turned off all the lights watched it at Mm. night um but uh i I won't try to give too much away but uh there's a piece of music that plays at the end Mm -hmm. and I didn't know this, but uh, on TikTok, there's this family that I follow that uh, it's kind of like this comedy where the son is slowly turning into his dad. Um, so he's starting to wear, you know, um, New Balance and he's, you know, pulling his socks all the way up and, you know, he's tucking his shirt in and everything like that. And there's one like TikTok where they use this music. And I saw this TikTok before I saw the movie. And, you know, they're just, they're, they're a very funny family and they do these really good, um, sketches. And I was like, ha, that's funny. Okay. And then when the music came up again at the end of Hereditary, it really shook me because I was like, this music is very familiar. I've never seen this movie. Why is this music familiar? Why am I like feeling like I know this music? This is bad. This is, ah, yeah. So that's funny. You've probably seen a bunch of memes from The Lighthouse if you haven't seen that. And actually, one of the films I've, I want to talk about, I was first exposed to through memes without realizing hmm. it. Yeah, it's it's much, much harder to get away from spoilers nowadays, I think, just because of memes and just because of um, the internet and everything like that. These these trailers do a really, really good job. Like To speak to to that, like you watch the trailer for something like Hereditary and they they kind of trick you into thinking that it's one type of movie and then you watch it and there's a there's a big big surprise that happens in that movie like maybe halfway through that nobody expects and now suddenly it's like okay well now i don't know what is going to happen from here on out yeah i've i was trained by by my mentor um at university to not watch trailers for movies that i know i was going to watch so Hmm. um because his point was like when you're studying especially screenwriting you'll start to recognize that oh that's an act three shot that's an act two shot and uh at first you're like yeah 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 old man what do you know (laughs) but then it was sort of right yeah you sort of realize oh oh i know what that is or um you start to catalog images in your mind and then as you watch the film you're like oh that character is not dead or i give you an example my sister who is not mm-hmm. who did not study film but okay. she went and saw the live action um uh the, uh, the lion the witch in the wardrobe oh yes okay. and so spoilers from a uh, c.s lewis book right. uh, she was watching this and, and uh, aslan dies you know as you might mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. Um, and she knew that Aslan was coming back, not because she realized that Aslan was a Christ figure, um, mm. but because she said, oh, I saw a shot in the trailer where Aslan is up on a rock and it's shining. And we haven't seen that shot yet. So I know Aslan's uh, coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was very proud of her. Like, she was like 11 or something. <laughs> she was like, I figured <laughs> out the movie. <laughs> yeah, trailers uh, are notorious for giving too much away but mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a marketing battle that I understand that they have. You know, it's, it's so it's a frustrating it's like the, uh, you know, a necessary evil, I suppose, I, you know, and I'm one of those suckers who just can't stop watching trailers. Yeah, they're really so, good. There's some yeah. of the best filmmaking out there is in these trailers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, so I, I keep doing it, even though I, uh, you know, <laughs> constantly essentially spoil myself. And there are some trailers that really piss me off more than others as mm-hmm. far as like what they reveal. And when I see the film, I'm like, God, they really shouldn't have given as much away as they did. But then yeah. there are other ones that they, they do a good job of not explaining too much. They can even be like a little bit uh, deceptive. Sometimes they can kind of trick you into thinking, um, you know, uh, it's going to go down one way. And then you watch the movie expecting something, expecting um, a a character to live all the way through or expecting uh, this person to be the bad guy or expecting uh, this thing to be the motivation. And then it 
turns out that they just did like some expert splicing or they got somebody in to do some ADR and and the trailer makes it uh, a completely different story almost. Which sometimes can work in, in its favor and sometimes it works against it, you know, because there mm. have been times where an audience has been turned off from a movie because it, it, they feel like the trailer sold them a bill of goods and the movie wasn't that. You know, that's oh, yeah. It's like, too. oh, I wanted the, the story from the trailer. What is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys want to talk about like old favorites that maybe you have it like these are your go-tos for Halloween? <laughs> well, with kids, mine have certainly shifted over the years. Oh, um, yeah. You know, it, 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 for a while, we were just watching like Toy Story of Terror every Halloween. <laughs> <'cause it's> like, <laughs> oh, that was, that was a, a safe thing to watch. I'm always pushing to, you know, to watch more stuff with them like Invasion of the Body Snatchers and things like that. And, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes it works Sometimes it doesn't, um, yeah. you know, the old favorites though, I would go to things like Jaws, uh, John mm. Carpenter's The Thing, Alien, Poltergeist, um, uh, Cronenberg's The Fly remake. Uh, oh, of yeah. course, The Exorcist mm. is up there. I love Cujo. Yeah. That's probably my favorite Stephen King oh, yeah. adaptation, uh, Predator, and then jumping way back to something like The Innocence, uh, Jack mm-hmm. Clayton's film from 1961. That's Oh, I'm uh, glad you brought really that up. I hadn't one. thought of that one as I was trying to sort of piece that back. But yeah, The Innocence is a wonderful, wonderful film. Yeah. With, De- with Deborah Carr as the lead. It's one of her beautiful best performances. And she's one of the she's one of the great actors. That's one of her very best. Yeah. It's uh, uh loosely based on Turn of the Screw. Hmm. Yeah, so a bunch of my students have been watching the Mike Flanagan shows um yeah. on hmm. Netflix, right. and he has recently done a um the Haunting of Bly Manor, which is an adaptation of Turn of the Screw, and um, which I think is wonderful. And then um, I'm sure their English professors are like, "Well, you should read this book, The Turn of the Screw." Yeah, yeah, right? And I, as their film for their film teacher, I'm saying, "Oh, you should watch this this Jack Clayton movie, The Innocence, because um, I, I'm sure that the Mike Flanagan thing is is the same spirit of it, but but it's just different. It's, it's obviously not shot the same way, and it probably has a very different feeling. Yeah, that that is such an interesting movie, Andy, because it's it's this. Um, we were talking a lot in The Exorcist so far in our podcast about mm. potentially Father. Marin is being an unreliable narrator. I think I'm pushing that more than than Lester has been mm-hmm. in the opening scenes in Iraq because the opening sequences are so strange. Um, but the innocence is like that. You don't quite know when that's taking over, like when um, when we're not supposed to believe her story or, or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. No, it's it's very interesting. Like, are there really ghosts possessing the children? Really, is, or? This a, is this a ghost story? Yeah. <laughs> is this all in her head? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah love her, her lovely re- movie. Repressed love life. You know, and everything. Right. Um, And just that beautiful black and white photography. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I'm realizing something about myself now. Um, (laughs) I always thought of myself as a lover of horror, but I'm looking back at my list of favorites and I'm realizing I'm less about horror and more about spooky. Um, (laughs) Okay. Okay. um, Yeah. What's the difference there of horror and spooky? Well, I think like horror is you watch it, you sit down, you watch it and you you get uh, this sense of uh, maybe existential dread. You're afraid to um, turn the lights off. Like you said, Keenan, you're afraid to turn the lights off after it. You, you know, you don't want to go into a, a dark room. Uh, you never look at, uh, you know, sewer drains or, or uh, uh, the water again in the same way or mirrors or, or whatever. And spooky is just kind of like, I don't know, like, um, like, a uh, like a, just a, a fun time with the, the cake dressing of, you know, ghosts and, and horror and stuff like that. Like, an example would be, I don't know, like Beetlejuice mm-hmm. or something like that. It's like, it's not, you don't, you don't watch Beetlejuice and you're like, oh my God. And then, you know, you stay up late at night worrying about Beetlejuice coming oh, to get you. That's the third, you well, that's the third time you said it. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. if you're going to or not. <laughs> well, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I think that that also leads to like 
uh, like subgenres that you end up getting because mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think that Beetlejuice is one that you could probably put into like horror comedy with yes. things like Shaun of the Dead and oh, yeah, Gremlins, yeah. Uh, you know, things yes. like that that definitely have a lot more laughs to them as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think I don't know. I wonder if that's like my way of of coping. Um, I was I was a scaredy cat when I was uh, when I was very very little, and uh, I would very quickly when something scared me, I would. Uh, become obsessed with it. And Halloween became my favorite holiday because I realized it's like, oh, the monster can't get you if you're the monster. And, you know, I just like run around with a Dracula cape all the time, um, (laughs) you know, even, you know, after Halloween. And I would, I would watch these, I would watch these movies again and again and again, almost like it's like, okay, there it is. It's on the screen. I know it's there. So like, and, and I am in control because I'm like, analyzing it mm-hmm. and i don't know what that says about me analyzing uh, the exorcist uh, you know 30 <laughs> something years later but uh but yeah i mean like the list of of movies in my you know like my uh, off the top of my head we have like bram stoker's dracula mm-hmm. but then we have Fantastic. the frighteners yeah. and then we have <laughs> the shining but then we have poltergeist and poltergeist 2 and then we have alien and aliens but then we have gremlins one and two <laughs> and then we have the exorcist and then we have beetlejuice um so yeah um and i think like as far as like horror, horror, The Shining and The Exorcist are my two like most hardcore films. And I guess now uh, uh, Hereditary as well. Could um, you talk more about Peter Jackson's The Frighteners? Partially because I saw it when I was a kid and, and just mm. didn't like it and I haven't come back to it. So, oh my God. you know, I, I recognize I was a stupid kid. So I, I, I no. didn't know what I was talking about. So what is it about <laughs> The Frighteners? Because like, like, to me, it was, it was goofy. And I, um, yeah. It was, it was too scary for me when the scary mm-hmm. parts and then too goofy for me on the, on the goofy parts. Oh, and that's the, that is the perfect mixture that is the perfect like <laughs> ratio combination for me um like I'm, i remember mentioning yeah so I, I remember being scared of beetlejuice the first time i saw it uh, i know this kind of goes back like goes in the face of everything i just said but when i was little like when um you know uh, barbara and adam they kind of like do that transformation and they look all dead and everything right. like that like that legit scared me and then as i got older i was able to appreciate the comedy a little bit more and maybe that just kind of like prepared my palate for something like the frighteners where i i kind of decided okay if something is going to be a horror comedy the horror has to be horror and the comedy has to be comedy i don't want any cheap uh, halloween candy where the chocolate is imitation chocolate and the peanut butter is imitation peanut butter i want actual peanut butter inside <laughs> actual like gourmet chocolate so like those two things have to mix and i think this answers your question keenan but i appreciate it because it doesn't pull punches with the horror and it doesn't pull punches with the comedy as so many of these like horror comedies do. It's like it's it says it's a horror comedy, but it's really just a comedy or it's uh-huh. really just a horror. Right. Like it, it it leans to one side and Frighteners does this thing where in one scene it really can like scare you and, and you know, give you the shivers a little bit. But then, you know, you have these goofy ghosts and they're just kind of like being funny. Um, and I don't know uh, it to answer your question. The Frighteners hit that sweet spot of there are times when it's scary. It's legit scary. It's like this is a respectable scare. Mm -hmm. And then also you laugh. It certainly has had a reappraisal because, I mean, it just had its 25th anniversary. And I know there have been a lot of people talking about it. I I saw a lot of people bringing it up again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's look at this one again. I haven't seen it since theaters either. And I remember enjoying it, but I didn't love it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I think, I don't know, for me, I really just kind of like the horror. I, I do like kind of the horror comedy but for me i think i i end up being more picky with horror comedy mm. and so you know for um you know i i can enjoy the ones that that you're bringing up but i i i don't know i guess for me the balance 
is a little like sometimes the goofy ends up kind of feels like it dilutes the horror too much so i i, I need a i don't know for me i like a line that doesn't feel like it's going too far down. Yeah, yeah. Because like Shaun of the Dead doesn't feel like so much a horror film as it feels like kind of a, a, a kind of a spoof on the genre, although a very smart one and a fun mm-hmm. one. But it does allow for kind of more gravitas, and maybe it's the gravitas that I enjoy mm-hmm. when those films feel like they're a little more. They have the take themselves seriously. Yeah, too. like Happy Death Day. I don't know if you watch the Happy Death Day films, oh, but yeah. those ones also I felt felt like they were. You know, they had the scares with the clever, you know, Groundhog Day-esque conceit and were fun. Right. Just a very yeah. good um, uh, bad guy design to that mask of this baby yeah. that's coming to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Which is right, very right, smart. right. Well, yeah. I, I picked up 10 because I had to do a round number or else I was going to um, uh, not be able to do this. So I picked out 10 old <laughs> favorites. Um, uh, James Whale's Bride of Frankenstein. Mm. Um, which we show in my queer cinema class and look at it like with macabre humor in mind. Um, the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, uh, Diabolique, the French horror film. Mm. Um, the Exterminating Angel, which is this Louise Spoonwell like survival horror comedy. Mm. Um, the Birds by Alfred Hitchcock. That was the first Hitchcock movie I saw, and it stayed my favorite Hitchcock movie. Oh, wow. uh, okay. House, the Japanese film by uh, Obayashi. That's the one that I was talking about where I've seen memes from House and then I finally <laughs> looked at House. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. there's that there's that shot of this cat having a seizure. That, <laughs> that oh. I've wondered where it's coming. Do you know that one? There's, there's a white, a really pretty white cat who's having a seizure and then like the background is all like anime style, like flashing lights. Um, oh, so that's I, that one. That's a, that's a crazy, that's a crazy one. I might have seen, yeah. Hmm. I also have John Carpenter's The Thing. Hmm. Um, I have... Uh, Tremors, which is uh, in Nevada. It's a Nevada film, and it's a really ah. fun film. Um, I have uh, Steven Spielberg's The War of the Worlds hmm. uh, and Alien, uh, which is on all three yes. of our lists. So there we go. Well, look at yeah. that. It's a good list. A lot of lot of variety on that. I yeah. tried to, you know, again, I was like taking things off to get to the, the 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to do that. Um, and and things like Tremors, that, that also fits into kind of that, um, that comedic vibe also yes. you know like that certainly has that element but i think it. it's also legitimately scary like um as opposed to some of the other horror comedies we've been talking about when people die in tremors there's nothing funny about it um mm. I, I find it just disgusting and, and awful and some of these deaths that they have even with minor characters um there's a doctor and uh, and his wife his poor wife who we've never met before and they get stuck in this car that's getting pulled under and you're like in it's like um you've seen like uh shots where cars get pulled into water right mm-hmm. and people like mm-hmm. like uh, being afraid of drowning but it's like that but with dirt <laughs> it's just oh, really geez. really really horrifying yeah well and i think it's i think it's interesting that like looking at the lists that we put together like there's not a lot of like kind of the slasher horror on right there, yeah which i mean i i don't know it, what that says about us hmm. but i mean like things like halloween and texas chainsaw massacre i mean i love those films too you know i, I think they're really strong great examples of horror hmm. I, it's just yeah you know, I, I it's i guess just a different type of horror that i i end up gravitating toward yeah that's actually really interesting. Yeah, we don't we don't have any Freddies or Jasons or or Mike Myers or anything like that, huh? I, I'm not sure why that is. You know, there are a lot of um, uh, there's been a reappraisal of those as the time has gone by. You know, the ones that have risen to the surface, like Halloween, and um, there's a lot of imitators, obviously, but um, there's a lot of reappraisal of them about them being very feminist, about you know introducing ideas of the final girl and what that means, mm-hmm. um, about their relationship to our ideas about sex during the um, the Reagan era. 
Um, mm. uh, so there's there's tons and tons of fascinating work being done on those films specifically, which I think is is something that in film criticism has been really helpful with horror movies because they're usually thought of as um, a bargain basement genre as the whole on the whole, right. and then people are you know defending them and and getting to like why we like these and what they're saying about society even more than in some you know art films or mainstream dramatic films. Well, and I think that's an interesting aspect to horror that that speaks to the fact that there is kind of this additional layer that you can look at with horror films that really is examining like the the zeitgeist of the times like what is going on that is you know leading people to think like this and and i mean then you look at something like it follows and what an interesting horror film that kind of is reflecting on kind of the whole conceit of you know if you have sex in a horror film you're going to get killed and that you have to have sex so that you don't get killed you know it's, it's like a really interesting uh, play on that and so it's been fun to see kind of um you know what people are doing and, and how they're playing around with the horror genre. And I mean, we're in a time right now where, I mean, geez, it, it is, we are in uh, a rich, rich time with fantastic horror films. I mean, just this year alone, it was just like a constant flood of amazing horror movies that just keep coming out. And a lot of them really are also, I mean, some of them are just incredibly fun, like the black phone and stuff like that. But then you have other ones that are trying to, you know, they, they have more things to say like bodies, bodies, bodies. And, um, you know, and so, it, yeah, I think there's an interesting uh, spread that you're getting of such such a variety. I don't know. I feel like we're in a time of riches right now with, uh, with horror bodies, movies. bodies, bodies, and it follows sort of these like millennial looks at, at um, yeah what it, what it means to have sex and millennials the the most undersex generation in the history of American generations <laughs> and like something about like like being sexual and being um, carefree and how awful that is and how scary that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's interesting. You guys have uh, kind of. Um, uh, naturally just kind of like moved on to the, the zeitgeist, uh, uh, topic. Um, and that was something that I wanted to talk about as well. Just the idea of how, um, you know, different monsters emerge, uh, in different eras based on what we, uh, as a society are scared of, what, what bothers us, things like that. Um, and I've always, uh, but before we jump into that, I wanted to check in with you guys. Um, so, uh, for you personally, so we're not talking about society, but like for you personally, of all the monsters, of all the like spooks, is there one that really bothers you? Like you, you know, you're uh, at a Halloween party and so it was like, Hey, do you want to watch this? And it was like, Oh, that's a movie about that thing. I can't watch that. <laughs> I've, I've grown to, um, turn down my, my friend's request that I watch zombie movies. Hmm. Um, maybe this will come back again, but I, hmm. I can't remember the last zombie movie I've watched, but I still have zombie nightmares and I don't, oh. I don't like them. That That's one of my least favorite nightmares to have of, um, of zombies taking over and having to do the survival horror thing and live through that. Like that just, um, is not a fun time for me as much as I like Shaun of the Dead <laughs> and I like the original Romero zombies and I, I, I really like them, but yeah, I just, um, I've just had to say, no, I will not watch Train to Busan right now. Thank you so much. I won't watch, um, oh, the, the Vegas uh, uh, zombie movie that just came out, uh, like the Heist of the Dead movie. Um, I, I won't watch huh. that one. Yeah, I just have to turn down any requests for zombies right now. Interesting. So, uh, and Keenan, so you mentioned like Shaun of the Dead. Um, so that's something you won't even like go to that one for like a kind of like a, a inoculation, like therapeutic thing. It's like, oh, it's a funny thing. So it like it, it. Oh, if I were more, if I were more aware of myself, maybe I would go, because I do like Shaun of the Dead. It's very, very good, but I've only seen it the one time. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know, because I, I suppose watching, you know, I have these recurring nightmares. I didn't know we'd get into, like, uh, the psychiatry here. <laughs> I have these recurring nightmares of, of, of zombies. And, it, and, you know, they don't go away, even though I haven't been watching the film. So maybe that's, mm. maybe I need to just man up and say, well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Where do you land on something like 28 Days Later, which technically isn't zombies? <laughs> Why is it technically not a zombie? Because they're, I mean, that's sort of the modern zombie, right, of the, the virus. Well, idea. but they don't die. Like, they just, they get a virus and they turn into you know, I mean, essentially they turn into zombie-like killers, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's not somebody that dies and then comes back from the dead, which is traditionally the way the zombie oh, works. I see. And I know it's billed as a zombie film, but in reality, it's a virus film. Right? I, I wonder then if the that problem. speaks to... Oh, go ahead, mm, Buster. Yeah, I, well, I was going to say, I think you're going to, uh, you were about <laughs> to say this. I wonder then if that speaks to what it is about zombie movies that uh, that bothers Keenan, because we take out the, you know, the living dead factor and it's still kind of uh, bothersome. So it must be something else uh, related to that that subgenre, yeah. I don't know if it's the reanimation part of it. I think it is the um, the viral spread part of it that's been inherent to all of the zombie movies since George Romero mm. about it just getting larger and larger and larger. Um, yeah, 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 so that's part of it. You know, uh, I wouldn't consider Contagion a horror film, um, but that's that's a movie that is just you know terrifying and, and wonderful. Um, the Steven Soderbergh movie that a lot of people went back and revisited during the height of the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that movie's movie's wonderful. It talks about the fears that I have. Um, but it's just sort of, yeah, like being overwhelmed, I suppose, uh, rather than mm-hmm. like, um, for some reason, that gets me more than there's one monster in the house or something, even if that monster is an uber monster. I don't have nightmares about that necessarily. Right. And when you say uber monster, you, you're not talking about like... A monster driving an uber around? <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess I'm not afraid. I, or at least I don't have nightmares about um, about uh, Dracula or, you know, right. like like of a super like a, a boss, a video game boss <laughs> monster. <laughs> right. I think it more is the swarmy idea of like they're everywhere and there's nothing we can do and we can't go anywhere anymore. Yeah. You know, that's um, there's an interesting element to that that I mean, I, I'm pretty easy with horror films. I don't think they're I, I don't think I find anything unwatchable and i you know i'm happy to kind of jump into every anything and you know as uncomfortable as it might make me um i I suppose there are a couple things though that that factor into things that probably make me more uncomfortable than other horror films and one kind of ties into that and it is there is a sense of a large group of of something and like generally for me it's like when there's you know just people who are just like staring at Mm -hmm. you you know like just watching you and I always go back to John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, mm-hmm. which I absolutely love. But it's you know it's it's a group of you know it's a, a you know a group of students uh, and their professor who they're doing research in a basement of this old church where they found some strange recordings that lead to some f- sort of like was there. Uh, you know, it, it basically it's like a gateway to hell that ends up kind of opening mm-hmm. that right, sort of right. thing. But as they're going through the process of this research, like suddenly, like there there's a homeless person outside standing and just staring at the church, watching Ooh. them. Pretty soon, it's like twenty, mm-hmm. and then there's like fifty, and they're just standing there, and it's like that more than like any of the the creature coming through like the the mirror toward the end. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff that for that film, you know. Uh, I found much more frightening. And so that is, so it is, there's something about this kind of this growing horde. Mm. Um, 
So yeah, that's that's. I, I think there is something to that. So I can certainly see where you're coming from with that. You, you and I both were uh, bringing up Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the original one. You tried to show your kids that, <laughs> and uh, and there's something about. I actually showed them the 70s. Oh, the 70s one. Oh, oh, yeah. they they're which which I I prefer. Oh, really? Yeah, they're similar in many ways about what the base horror is, though. About um, yeah. you can't tell, and, and then in the 50s one, it's a really. Um, really interesting shot where they're up in this um in this uh, office building and they're looking down and the the pod people let down their guards and just show themselves to each other and it's like oh my god that is awful <laughs> they've just been oh, hiding yeah, in plain yeah. sight and it's one thing for the characters to um to say like oh we're pretty sure they're all pod people but then to see them just like okay like it's basically like a car goes by as like kids playing um baseball on the street and they're like mm. car and they all they all like disappear and then and then the, when they yeah. come back the car leaves and like okay we're pod people now and it's like oh my god <laughs> this is this is awful yeah uh. that's an interesting um story that has been told four times right. now and and every time in a different decade with a different perspective and it's been pretty interesting right the 50s one is is this um we were talking about the zeitgeist of the 50s about like the dangers of science gone wrong the dangers of um well, certainly of communism, communism. And witch hunts and it's really too, interesting yeah. how well you can you can look at that one and and um say it's about communism i've had more recent uh uh, scholarship where it's it's uh, for people who didn't grow up during the Cold War who were like this is about fifties um, capitalism and fifties um, uh, conformity. You know, I've had uh, some of my students yeah, think yeah. about it as like racism, like fifties racism, um, and especially when you start in that movie looking at like um, oh you can't trust the small town sheriff, uh, you can't trust the small town mayor. You have to like go to the federal government to help solve this thing, um, and that's the exact opposite in the seventies version, right? Where that is about like government paranoia of the federal government in many ways like that the same like all the president's men <laughs> idea but in yeah. a horror film and then the 80s it's kind of like a military complex right. sensibilities and then the one in the i was like 2011 yeah, is that yeah, one right. or no it was 2008 maybe with, with nicole kidman, kidman, kidman which Frank, yeah. which almost seemed more like yeah let's just conform <laughs> <laughs> that one that one ended up being a little bit of a mess, right but. andy to go back to uh the thing that you were talking about like uh, the idea of um you know, just, just people like staring at you, large oh, groups God. of people. Um, uh, for me, uh, personally, I think for me, my big thing is, uh, ghosts. Um, I've always been bothered by the idea of ghosts, N not that I'm afraid that they'll, you know, just come get me or do anything to me because it, like, I think, I believe like in a movie, as soon as a ghost starts like attacking, um, it just becomes another monster, right? It becomes one of those like boss monster things. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm more just bothered by the idea of them the idea that they might exist as a conscious thing um and what does that mean for me right that thing can just be like staring at me from wherever it is wherever it exists now in the spaces between like where is that place what happened to them how do they feel are they trapped are they free but it's actually horrible like what am i seeing what are what are they seeing are they always there even when i can't see them mm. What do they do all day? Like, what kind of consciousness do they have? Do they remember being alive? They're, these are the things that bother me. Um, and luckily, I don't really uh, believe in, in ghosts, at least not that like specific type of ghosts. I believe in um, like echoes, like psychic farts, um, you know, like recordings, <laughs> shadows, you know, like I, I believe I believe like the the equivalent of like, uh, you know, a, a, a projected playback of something that that, you know, people say that they've seen like all these people is like, oh, yeah, I saw this ghost. And it was like, and, you know, and I don't discount them immediately. I say it's like, OK, you saw something you saw some kind of like, um, you know, playback that got triggered when you went to that place. But like the the 
person or whatever isn't actually there. Like you can't actually talk to it. It's just like a, like a psychic fart. Uh, do you think you call now? Now I can play psychiatrist to you, Lester. <laughs> yes, yes. Do you think that you call these things psychic parts to protect yourself from from what they really represent to you? Like absolutely, like absolutely, no, a hundred percent. I absolutely no. I knew where you were going, and I, yeah, I'm jumping on it. No, that's why. No, okay. Looking back at my movies now, mm-hmm. Beetlejuice, The Frighteners, mm-hmm. Poltergeist, like all of these are are ghosty, are goofy, ghosty movies that make me feel better, and I can eat my little Saturday morning cereal and you know curl up in my blanket and say, "See, ghosts are nice people, and it's okay." Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> you know, is there a particular ghost uh, film that you've seen that you find? like represents like the most horrific side of it that's for you that's hard i can't think of any off the top of my head just because like again like uh, as soon as a ghost starts like i don't know coming for your soul or trying to eat you or 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 throwing even just throwing things around the room i'm like okay well now you're now you're a monster now you're a creature and you're not like there's no connection between you and me i'm not going to become that type of thing when I die. Um, I, it, it's, it's an existential thing. Um, maybe like the sixth sense, maybe That's a, yeah. something like that, because it, it, it's more, I don't know if this just means I'm like really self-centered or whatever, but like, <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. Okay. Um, this is such a nerdy answer, but, um, Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. uh, when mm. Scrooge sees his best friend, his only friend, right. Come back. Uh, you know, Jacob Marley, and he's in chains. And this is a person he knew. This is a person he, you know, he, like as as close and intimate as a person like Scrooge can be, you know, to somebody, mm-hmm. right? This was his friend. Um, seeing him, you know, in chains, suffering. And what does that mean for you? Right. What does he that thought mean Marley for- had done everything correct. He was like, eh, right. Marley did exactly what I want to do with my life. Exactly. Um, and it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like a ghost is a rebuttal to like all of your principles in a way. It's like you can be, I don't, you can be a Christian. You can be a Catholic. You can be an, uh, a Buddhist. You can be a pagan. You can be an atheist. You can be whatever, but you, <clears throat> you know, you're walking down the street, you turn a corner and you see a ghost. Boom. Suddenly everything you thought you knew about uh, the afterlife, whether or not there is one or where you're going or whatever, that's all out the window now because there's a ghost and hi, and this is what's going to happen. And, and they almost never look happy. <laughs> that's really interesting. <laughs> like, like, so you you might be looking for a movie that's from the point of view of a ghost or like what that's like. And, mm. um, I'm thinking of, and these aren't horror movies, but one of my favorite movies is, um, the movie ghost, which is a, mm, um, yes, uh, there's horrific stuff in it, but like that point of view of what it's like to be a ghost. And maybe you should look at, um, David Lowry's a ghost story, which is from the point of view mm. of, uh, I'll stop talking, but <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's, it's, right, it's, okay. it's closer to what you're talking about. <laughs> You know, um, interesting. I, okay. You know, oh, go ahead. Andy. Well, the others. Oh, the, is, yeah, 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 yeah. I think a fantastic ghost mm-hmm. story. That's you know, in conversation of ghost stories with interesting perspectives. Mm-hmm. That's definitely one worth looking at. Mm-hmm. And if if neither of you have seen the Changeling, uh, no. which I think came out the same year as a ghost story, um, that's George C. Scott, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it is one of my all time favorite ghost stories. Um, very compelling, very creepy with a, a wheelchair that moves around inside a house on its own. And I will never forget oh, the gosh, that, that sounds awful. burned into my brain. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, but it's fantastic. Fantastic. My fun. father hmm. has a real problem with ghosts. And actually, he um, he did not like us watching Beetlejuice as kids, which we love. We put Beetlejuice oh. all the time. And there was a kids, a Saturday morning cartoon of Beetlejuice yes. that he would not let us watch. We had to hide from oh. him. And I do remember that. Um, 
when when I was a kid, um, the Oscar nominations would usually come out uh, on my birthday weekend. So we would, hmm. my dad would take me to a movie that I hadn't seen that had been nominated for the Oscars, and mm-hmm. um, the year it was uh, The Sixth Sense, he took me to that. And afterwards, he was just so shaken by it, and I, I realized mm-hmm. like that was one of the things I remember. Like, oh, my dad really sacrificed of himself for me to take yeah. me to the sixth sense because he he straight oh, up did boy. not have a good time yeah seeing that yeah it's, it's funny because i mean yeah I, I the for me i think the thing that i end up being honestly scared of the most with with horror films is when it's like when it feels more real mm-hmm. you know like all of these i think are, are really fun sorts of horror movies to watch but when it's something like funny games michael Haneke's yeah. film or when it's something like uh the strangers mm-hmm. um where like that just that i think really kind of you know uh, scares me a lot more because it feels like something that really could happen. And those I think are the ones, again, I really don't have a hard time watching any of them, but I think if there's something that probably that eats at me a little bit more, it's that sort of th- film. And I suppose it just goes to that sense of, you know, protection and invasion of your own space right. that, you know, is, is such a scary mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like the, the thing, something like the strangers or, or, <laughs> or funny games, like, they could be, they're the kind of things you read about in, in real life. Right. But they, they're, yeah. they're sort of, um, dramatizing it beat by beat, right? What it would be like to do that. Like I remember reading a lot about the Manson family murders. And then I finally listened to a podcast, um, on, you must remember this, Katrina Longworth's, uh, Karina Longworth's wonderful podcast about Hollywood history. And then her, her dramatizing what it was like for the Lobiancos, um, family to be like living in their, you know, their house watching TV or whatever, and then coming in, that really affected me in a way that like reading in a newspaper doesn't do. To, to, to go back to what you guys were talking about, uh, before talking about, uh, the zeitgeist, um, I've always been fascinated by like what scares us and why, like, like why was there a time in history when people were terrified of vampires and why did they then shift and evolve into like sexy things? And (laughs) now they've shifted again and evolved and now they're just like goofy. Like, I feel like the vampire has gone through the most changes over time from like scary to sexy to scary, sexy to goofy. Like on one side of the spectrum, we have Nosferatu and Salem's Lot. And on the other side, we have what we do in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, and somewhere in between is like Bram Stoker's Dracula. Or of course, <laughs> Oceans of Dime. To fall, you know. <laughs> right, right. It's romantic. Uh, oh, that's really interesting. You know, we, you've been covering a lot about pagan religions on on the main mm-hmm. show. And I, I've been mm-hmm. really fascinated mm-hmm. by what you have to say about vampires in, in that respect um hmm. or or i don't know if this came up on the show itself sorry i, hmm. I do listen to the show i promise <laughs> but but um <laughs> but did we talk about like how uh romania's uh tourism industry is so built upon vampires now oh my god uh we oh interesting yeah, yeah we haven't talked about it on the show yeah. but yeah it's it's a it's a big Right. So, so at a certain point, like they're labeled as this vampire kingdom, which is a detriment to their, their kingdom's prestige. Right. They're like, Oh, you're disgusting. And like, Oh, we, you have, you have your great, you know, Alexander, the great, uh, equivalent here, you know, your, your king, your William, the conqueror. And we're going to say, Oh, he was a vampire. He was a demon. He was disgusting. He drank blood, dirty, dirty, dirty. And that Mm -hmm. really affects them. And now, you know, they're like, yes, we love vampires. Come on down. (laughs) You know, um, when you go to Salem in Massachusetts, they, they're really ashamed of, uh, so they take that seriously. There's what I mean. They don't like people. They, they don't like it when tourists come and they're like, Hey, I'm a witch. I'm being murdered or whatever. You know, they want the tourism, but they will correct the tourists and say like, 
hey, this is these are real, you know, victims. They're really people who are murdered by the state, and that's not cool. Um, please come and learn about the real history of it. And then in Romania, I haven't been to Romania, but in Romania, you know, the ad campaigns are like, yes, come and drink blood <laughs> and learn the real history. <laughs> but you know, we are the birthplace of this this sexy vampire thing, this goofy vampire. We'll take oh, interesting. Uh, I, I love somebody. Somebody made the um, the is it an acronym? Um, a woman in total control of herself. Oh wow! W i t c h. Yeah. Like oh yeah. Oh, a backronym. Yeah, yeah, that's what you. Yeah. yeah, but I like that because it's like, yeah, the, you know, this is back in the day. Witches were were like scary mm-hmm. for for that reason. In that, like, in these puritanical times, a woman who like has an opinion, or a right. woman who um, you know, stands up for herself, or is reading, or knows how to read, and is reading a book that is not the Bible, mm-hmm. um, or you know, yeah, owns her own business, yeah. or you know, has a plot of land next to you that's actually pretty big. And right. wouldn't that be uh, terrible or if she was burned as a witch? And then I got or it, women you know? who have lost their children and are somehow you know, emotionally strong and, and moving on and surviving. Yes. Something yes. It's like, happened. yeah, you must've caused something. It. You must be in right. league with Satan because no woman could possibly do that. Right. Um, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, and this is anecdotal as well, but like, I just, I, I gather these things like, you know, dust bunnies, but, um, <laughs> I remember hearing somewhere that like the introduction of the nuclear family, mm-hmm. the idea of mom, dad, children, and now grandma's got to go. She's got to go live in the woods oh, somewhere. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of had a hand in creating these uh, these stories of, you know, the spooky old lady who lives at the edge of town in this little hut because, sorry, grandma, you're not allowed to, you know, be with us in the family anymore. So you got to fend for yourself. Oh, wow. And, you know, of course, these, you know, these poor women, like, you got to fend for yourself. Like, you, you're going to, you're going to be affected by that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and probably, you know, the, the kids in the village are going to be running up to, you know, like bang on your door or, you know, like tell stories about you or, or whatever. But, um, I, I feel like, yeah, that is one monster that, um, came purely out of like, uh, a, like the fear of, of women, you know, having as much power, a woman with power. That's basically mm-hmm. what it is, you know, uh, having as much power as men in that, that, you know, grossly patriarchal society. Oh, wow. You know what? What I think about is, you know, these like 30s, 1930s monster movies um, that we normally associate with Universal. They'll call it the Universal Monster Cycle, right? Where Universal was the lowest budget of the mini major studios and they they had to differentiate themselves. So they started to use German expressionistic ideas and, and play into shadows and really interesting production design. And they didn't have as many stars. So they went and, and created monsters because their stars, the stars in the monster movies could be hidden by masks and makeup. Um, and, but when you look at the horror movies of the thirties, which is, um, also this time of the great depression, right. Of, um, of that, of people like their skepticism of money and, and, uh, you know, people living day to day, uh, not having money and not having a place to live. Um, most of the universal horror monster, uh, monsters from the thirties itself during the depression are nobles. They're noble people living on a hill. And part of that is also because, um, the, the initial Universal movies, um, Dracula and Frankenstein and The Invisible Man, they're using, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, public domain ideas, right? Public domain books. So they're cheap. Universal's going to pay for that. So they're stealing from another era where, where increasingly, like, those stories were told from the nobles' perspective, but they were written for nobles. Now, in the 30s, they are, um, the monsters are noble people or rich people, but therefore the movies are for poor people. Right. And so it's like, oh, these are awful people who live on the hill and they they bring up these um, they, they bring forth these monsters or they are the monsters and they come down and kill regular folks. Um, yeah. And that goes away. So then like the, the monster movie from the 40s, it's the most famous universal is the Wolfman. And that's not a, necessarily a no, but he's more of a um, 
uh, a middle class person. He's the son of an important well, person and, in town, but he's not like on the hill, you know. Yeah, and it's a shift to monsters that also start being a little more misunderstood. Right, right. right yeah, yeah. You know, with, <laughs> with that, which is a shift from yeah, from kind of those ones in the. Yeah, Dracula and Frank, uh, Dr. Frankenstein and the usual man, they are monsters, right? They have done this to people. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And then the fifties when we're really dealing with like middle-class people in the suburbs, like it's no longer the elite who are doing this. And we have increasingly horror that's in the suburbs or, or, um, uh, just like invasion of the body snatchers or the day of the earth. It's still just with like regular people. Well, and a lot of like the, the, that's really the whole issue, like post world war two, a lot of nuclear, uh, fears Mm -hmm. start rising in the, uh, the fifties also with all the atomic mm-hmm. age and all the mutants and, and, uh, plus with, you know, starting to send things into space, then that's right. when the, all that space horror starts kind of, uh, building. So it's a lot of science and, uh, space and, and things that really kind of push in that direction, which is, we didn't talk about Godzilla or nobody brought that up. And, um, oh, I was, I was going to say, I, it was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Keenan, Keenan, you, well, you, you talk about, yeah. yeah, Godzilla. Oh no, just that the, the first Godzilla is a terrifying movie. Um, and I had made the mistake of watching the English version, which is, I forget what they called it in America, but what they've done is they've taken the monster footage and then they've, they've uh, edited out all the Japanese people basically and, and have Raymond Burr acting in really subpar scenes. And I was like, oh, this Godzilla is not scary at all. When you watch the Japanese version, it is, it's really awful. It's really terrifying. Um, and, and it, it's, it's so often parodied afterwards, right? Of whenever we have a scene set in Japan in a comedy film, we make jokes about Japanese people running for their lives <laughs> about whatever. Um, but those scenes like at the, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Which is right, not right. obviously <laughs> not the case if you're watching it properly subtitled, right? <laughs> so the original Ishiro Hondo movie is is incredibly scary. Um, you spend time with people you've never met before, and like there's this awful, awful scene where Godzilla is destroying part of Tokyo, and you cut to this woman and her two kids you've never seen them before, and they're cuddling in a corner like you're taught to do in a nuclear blast. They're on the street, but they're huddling on a stoop in a corner against concrete, and the kids are crying, and she says, don't worry, don't worry, we'll be with daddy soon. And you go, oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. <laughs> Keenan, you might have told me this. This might have been you. But <clears throat> uh, I remember hearing, you know, someone, somebody just like pointing out to me. It's like, you notice that the shape of Godzilla, he looks like a mushroom cloud. Oh, no, I like, hadn't thought of that. It's very it, like he's kind of like this this bulky uh-huh. kind of like puffy you know, a dragon monster. But um, yeah, somebody pointed that out to me. It's like, you know, when did the Godzilla movies start coming out? When did this first one come out? Uh And, you know, it's after uh, World War II. And I mean, it's a giant mushroom cloud that uh, levels cities, Um, you know, and, and, you know, going back to, it's like, this is the thing that all of Japan was, was, uh, you know, tense about, was, was, uh, terrified of at that time. Right. In the first one, it's explicit. It's explicit that it's because of Jap, uh, because of, um, American nuclear testing and this thing emerges yeah. and it, it destroys the Japanese diet as they're in there, like the parliament building while they're in there debating about what to do. And they're in there and saying like, half of them want to turn to their American friends. Half of them want to be independent. And while they're doing that, Godzilla kills them all. <laughs> it's very, very explicit. Yeah, There's yeah. like no way to read it otherwise. But it's interesting like the, the, um, the monster design for that it's it's a uh, gojira it is um uh, jira is whale go is meant to be like gorilla um so what they were thinking of is like it's, it's a king kong whale was there was yeah. their idea of it yeah interesting i remember uh and listeners will remember too uh we had our guest ian hinden on um and i remember ian hinden just to go back to to dracula um briefly uh he 
talk to me because I, I I read it and I love the book and I'm you know big Dracula fan and he's like you know my professor my English professor told me that it's all about um foreigners coming to your land these rich aristocratic foreigners mm. these you know tall dark handsome foreigners and stealing our pure British women mm-hmm. <laughs> um you know and these bad boys from another from the kingdom of far away right um and that stuck with me it's like this idea of um, you know, the other, right? The, right. the outsider. And, you know, they have money and they have power, right? Um, and it's like in 18th century literature, you know, they were always these aristocrats, right? Mm-hmm. They did have power. And like to what you were saying uh, before, uh, Keenan uh, and Andy, they, they were like this elite, right? Um, and they kind of preyed on, uh, you know, you and people like you and me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they do the first uh, adaptation of Dracula, which is a bootleg version called Nosferatu, that's F.W. Uh, F. W. Murnau's uh, German Expressionist version. He doesn't have permission from the Stoker estate. He just does his own version um, and eventually gets them in trouble where they're ordered to burn all the copies of Nosferatu. And we only have it by accident because there were uh, a couple copies that weren't burned. Um, yeah, they were the, the Stoker estate because it, it really is a ripoff. I mean, it's exactly. Yeah. Oh, no, no, yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But, totally. but, you know, Schmackula. <laughs> but what they do, <laughs> right, in the to make it German rather than English is that um, uh, Count Orloff looks like a, a rat, right? He doesn't look like a bat. Um, he's not. He's not sexy. He and he brings with him the plague. So there's this um, subsequent horror thing that's going on simultaneous to Count Orloff going and killing people. Is that people in the town all of a sudden are dropping dead from plague that he's brought from Romania? Yes, yes. Um, and suddenly now the the fear of vampires is kind of like associated with the spread of disease mm-hmm. and the spread of, you know, or, or like even we could even just go into like, um, you know, uh, diseases transmuted or, tra- you know, transferred by blood or, or mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Well, and I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, post COVID now. I mean, we've, you know, we've we've had some films that have already come from that as far as like, you know, we've had the horror film where the people are all playing like uh, like the Ouija or something uh, through their Zoom, right. we've had that sort of horror. But I, I guarantee it's not going to take very long before we start getting some more horror that that ties into like the spread of virus and things like that, and and the way that these things shift in society. Yeah, so, yeah about isolation, sure, what it's like sure it's to coming. be alone. Yeah. Um, right, right. There was right. a Stephen Daldry film dirt that they made during the pandemic about people who stuck in in their house during pandemic and having a Stephen Daldry esque like drama. And I love Stephen Dolgy. My friend pointed this out to me and I said, oh, I don't want to watch that at all. <laughs> like it's just a, a straight up drama. <laughs> but so there's something about horror or any any genre, but especially horror that makes it much more approachable. Like I'd much rather see a horror film or a rom-com about the same issues than a drama about the things I'm living in my real life. Oh, that's yeah. a good point. Right, yeah. Right, right. Something about horror uh maybe a little bit uh, more removed than say uh, like a drama like where you have to sit yeah, in so. those emotions mm-hmm. and, yeah you know um when i was uh in in school and i had a professor who was putting together a, for the first time a class on the 1970s in american cinema um he had, he had done forever 30s 40s 50s 30s 40s 50s and for the first time he had gone forward and was doing the 70s and he said where where are the films about feminism you know we ha- he had trouble finding them and and it was like annie hall and an unmarried woman and uh coming home and he was like is that it that that just can't be right, right? That that you think of this period as being the birth of the feminist movement, and where are the films? And you know, you know where they are. They're in Alien and Halloween, right? They're um, yeah, they're yeah. sublimated, where you can. And in many ways, Alien is much more explicitly feminist than some of the other, you know, films oh, yes. that are about that. God, 
God, I'd like to be like back in the theaters, like at that time mm-hmm. when the who who we think is going to be our hero, our male lead, mm-hmm. you know, just gets offed by <laughs> by the alien, and suddenly now it's Ripley, and it's like Ripley, Sigourney Weaver, who was that? Right. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Well, and that's that's I think an exciting element of horror. I mean, obviously, there's that the angle of you know putting. Uh, kind of the feminist view of the film, but also mm-hmm. like that's something exciting about horror is when you have those surprising shifts and, and going back to something like Psycho, mm-hmm. where you think mm-hmm. you're following Marion Crane, and then she gets mm-hmm. killed, <laughs> and then you're, which was a huge surprise, mm-hmm. you know, and and the fact that that uh, Hitchcock, you know, played into people's expectations. Mm-hmm. We've been following her, and she stole all this money, mm-hmm. and what is she going to do? And and she's the biggest um, star in the movie, right? Yeah, she's right. Really the only and star then the to movie, have right. that whole thing mm-hmm. shift, it's such an interesting thing to throw at people, and so yeah. Yeah, and it works on on film students when I show it to them. They, um, I love watching a Hitchcock movie with an audience who's never seen it, and it really, really throws them for a tizzy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, one thing I wanted to talk about before we uh, before we get off here is the um, the idea of prestige, and and you know, in the Exorcist podcast, eventually we'll be talking about the Exorcist and how it did at the Oscars or how how it didn't do at the Oscars. And there are five, depending on how you're counting, <laughs> there are two or five uh, Best Picture nominees, which are horror films, depending on your counting them. And basically, there are two that are undisputed that no one has a problem with. And then with the other three, you always get people with pushback. Like once a movie is good enough, people don't want to think of it as a horror film. So there's The Exorcist, which is the first one, uh, the very first horror film nominated for Best Picture. The Signs of the Lambs, which some people push back at, but is, in my view, completely a horror film. But you get people thinking things like, it's a psychological thriller. It's something else, right? Once it's really good, but it's literally about a guy who um, keeps women in his dungeon <laughs> that looks like Dracula's dungeon, um, and he he kills them and, and makes uh, suits out of them, right? Uh, how is this not a horror film? The Sixth Sense, which I've never experienced anybody pushing back on as a horror film, but then Black Swan, which is uh, it's exactly what you want in a horror film. It's about you know transformation and these nightmares about things coming out of her body and her transforming into this other thing against her will that starts to seep into her real life. And then Get Out, which was um, so controversial. Uh, you know, people were arguing that it wasn't a comedy because it was so good, and people are arguing it's not a horror film because it's so Earth. good. Um, and yeah. I, I don't know. Do you have any? Do you take issue with any of those? Either of you? Well, I would I would just make sure that you were also including Jaws. In oh there, my goodness, there Jaws we go. Is absolutely, six, one, two, six yeah. films. Yes, of course. Yes, yeah. and that that one I don't know. That I've heard people argue that because it's just based in like real life, you know, that it's not a horror film as well. But I think, of course, it is. I think, yeah, I would say it absolutely is. I think, I mean, of all of them, I w- I would say I could see Black Swan being the one that that you could argue the most mm-hmm. isn't, but but I think it very much is a, a psychological horror right. film, and I think that's the thing about that one that that people may not be looking at when they talk mm-hmm. about it. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I would say, uh, it's certainly, it's as much a psychological horror film as the innocence, right? Where the, the horror of it is like, I'm this person. Um, and then I don't know if I can trust myself by the end of the film, what I'm saying or what I'm feeling. That's yeah, terrifying. Right. <laughs> right. Totally. I can't believe I left up Jaws. See, that's the whole problem with this, right? <laughs> oh no, hey, Keenan. We know, and, and listeners of the show know, like you are, you are, uh, you are, are well, um, versed in, uh, in, in, uh, uh, all of those movies. You mentioned Jaws in, what was it? I think our first episode, mm, like when remember. we were, when we were listing all of, uh, all of the, the, you, you, it was like the big, it was the pantheon of, Oh, uh, of the movie. blockbuster had, era. Yes. Right. Yes, we yes, had yes. Jaws, we had Godfather, we Star had Wars and Exorcist, right? Star Wars and, and Exorcist. Yeah. 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 Um, I do listen to the show. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Just to reiterate that. <laughs> 
but yeah, like it, to what you guys were saying, yeah, it's it's weird. Like the the parameters and the like, um, you know, what constitutes as a horror mm-hmm. movie, and then why not? Why can't horror movies be uh, in the, in this other category category of uh, movies that are being taken seriously? Like, I mean, everyone's you know talking about when they talk about you know to go back to Hereditary, there is like, oh well, you know, it's not so much a horror movie <laughs> as it is like a family drama. Right. It's like there's a, there's a fucking horror movie, right. but. Um, <laughs> yeah. but it has, yeah, there, it is a beautiful family drama and it's this beautiful, like examination of a family and trauma and grief and everything like that, but also scary stuff like supernatural, scary stuff. Um, you know, so, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know where, where that line in the sand goes. Right. And it's same thing as like, I was, I was even kind of like shy to mention my favorite horror movies because i kind of almost don't even think of them as horror movies beetlejuice <laughs> or the frighteners like uh, you know i think any i mean the concept of a, a i mean it gets kind of ridiculous because mm-hmm. the whole point of having a story is you have an emotional journey with characters and sure i mean you could find any story and go well it's a dramatic journey for this these particular characters this this particular story is about a husband and wife who are uh, trying to deal with her infidelity and she's getting attacked by a rabid dog it's cujo it's a horror movie yeah you can look at it like a drama but come on i mean you know all of those elements are gonna you know be in any story you know it's interesting so john august has this podcast called script notes it's really great with craig mazin and john august is the writer of um big fish and craig mazin wrote chernobyl the uh the miniseries they're really good uh podcast hosts and um john august has this advice like when you're writing a straight drama character drama and you those, those are often the hardest to write um because you don't have some you know genre helps you structure things it helps you um with references like what if this were that and he and he says that well if you're stuck in a character drama maybe imagine like what if this were the same idea but a horror movie version what would happen there what would happen in a in a western <laughs> what would happen in a in an action movie um because because the genre is so well defined with horror right it, it, or at least it, there's guideposts that are easy to work with um so you could often get like some of the best character drama out of genre you know, Her- Hereditary, which which you love, obviously, is so much like one of my very favorite movies called Ordinary People. Basically, Ordinary People with a horror film, and it does it does those scenes as as well as as Ordinary People. Like like them, there's a dinner table scene that's one of my very favorite scenes in Hereditary, and it's just like, oh, this is like Ordinary People, <laughs> and now we just need to make room for the the horror stuff as well. I, I when I was in high school, I used to show it to all my friends, and they would look at me like, I can't believe you just showed this to me, <laughs> Ordinary People. <laughs> Well, it gets so much flack because it beat Best Picture, it beat Raging Bull, it beat um, the Elephant Man, uh, Elephant yeah. Man for for Best right. Picture, and so people give it tons of flack. Mm-hmm. But and then you watch it and go, oh, oh wow, okay, yeah, no, yeah, I it is really. I, pre- I mean, I know I'm in the minority for preferring it, but even when when I did finally see Raging Bull, I'm like, oh wow, I understand why people <laughs> would want to vote for this. Obviously, yeah. But that's where these awards. Yeah. I, I like the award shows a lot. I follow them, or at least the Oscars, because. Um, they're a good insight into into what people were thinking at the time as, as what we wanted to consider prestige and all that. But I've had to learn to not take them too seriously, like use them when they help you find really cool new movies and um, and not to take it as the word of, uh, of Hollywood God. Yeah, yeah. And they, again, like there is no right or wrong. I mean, we like what we like and it speaks to us because, you know, we we are, you know, who we are and, and we should be watching movies and enjoying them, uh, you know, to find out more about ourselves and mm. to find out more about, you know, uh, uh, the world as we see it and, and all that stuff. So, you know, yes, an award ceremony. Great. Wonderful. It, <laughs> it, it, won, it won the, the whatever. But, you know, the Crying Monkey Award. Yes. The Crying Monkey Award. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I wonder, Keenan, if uh, you talk about ordinary people, I wonder if I might be bothered more by ordinary people than <laughs> hereditary because as soon as I, I will say like as soon as the spooky stuff started happening in hereditary i was like oh god okay oh, I, like god. like i can just sit in this and like there we go we got we got a ghost we got a demon we got okay all right like i'm just gonna they're chasing each other around the house good good let you know let's let's deal with that <laughs> yes. now i'll tell you what um hereditary has a much more closed ending than ordinary people does i'll, I'll tell you that much. oh okay okay interesting because <laughs> yeah ordinary people doesn't let you off the hook when it's over that, that it's actually no. over. not that there's a sequel more ordinary people or something like that right <laughs> even, <laughs> even more, more ordinary, ordinary people <laughs> <laughs> oh you know one last thing that i should mention because mm. you're talking about what horror can sh- sort of show you like um yes. you know as a young as a young gay boy uh in in high mm. school you know I, I sort of figured that out about myself when i was in high school mm-hmm. and um you know, the, the the movies where you could actually see gay stuff happening were horror films mm. <laughs> so i oh. i brought my friends over and we watched interview with the vampire which i didn't know was, mm-hmm. was gay at all and so the mm. three of us watch it and i was like wow this is this is incredibly incredibly gay this is and i brought my straight <laughs> friends over to see this and like oh my god um and afterwards i said wow that makes me want to be a gay vampire we should all just be gay vampires. And one of my friends said, we could just be vampires. And the, the other friends just said, no. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting thing, though, that you bring that up. Because, like, you know, I mean, look at uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part uh-huh. 2 has, mm. has had a whole reappraisal about kind of uh, homosexuality mm-hmm. and, and, and a different shift on looking at it that I don't think I would have even noticed at the time, right. you know? And, and so it's interesting when uh, that sort of thing gets brought up and pointed out and discussed more. And so I, I do think that that's a very interesting thing to, uh, to talk about how it allows for conversations to happen about things that, you know, at the, in society at that particular point in time, people may not have been talking about. Right. You have mm. a lot of queer people whose awakening is through, is through horror films, say the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is explicitly queer. Right. But sure. that, that's talking to this like um, subgroup of people. Yeah. The vampire being this thing that we fear, but then suddenly, you know, uh, like you say, Kenan, we all want to be this, uh, this supernatural, like powerful, sexy, uh, a creature, right? Everybody, everybody wants to be a vampire, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be a zombie. <laughs> no, right? you want to be the one who kills the zombies, right? Exactly, right. right but everybody right. wants to be Dracula. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be Lestat. Right. Everybody wants to be, you know, the the cool, sexy vampire who has like all the, you know, all the uh, all the power and all the uh, uh, magnetism mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah, in in the original Frankenstein, <clears throat> which is by James Whale, who's a queer filmmaker. Um, mm-hmm. it's very, it's very buttoned up. I like the original Frankenstein a lot, but then Bride of Frankenstein, um, where he was making this movie, um, as a favor basically to Universal and they they had to like mm-hmm. drag him back into Bride of Frankenstein. And he asked, well, the thing he wanted to do if they let him, if he finally agreed to do a sequel to Frankenstein was to do Showboat. He was like, I'll do your Bride of Frankenstein nonsense, your sequel, if you let me do Showboat. <laughs> and then also, I mean, a lot of people now look at it as like him letting his freak flag fly. And he introduces new characters mm-hmm. like Dr. Pretorius, who was just a straight up coded queer character. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Pretorius and Dr. Frankenstein have a lot more fun in Bride of Frankenstein than anybody has in the original Frankenstein. And they just get to, yeah, just just have their their gay marriage and their <laughs> their creation of their babies as this gay couple and and their you know catty little bitches and all of that uh, <laughs> that you would expect in a, in a gay film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, touching on uh, Frankenstein real quick, mm-hmm. we were talking about like um, you know feminist stories and, and things like that, and you know the great uh, Mary Shelley and you know this pioneer of um, you know horror slash you know science fiction you know uh, in her novel. 
Um, we recently did uh, an all-female cast of a radio play of uh, uh, Frankenstein oh, cool. uh, at my school. Um, it was really cool. Um, you know, and we had everybody, everybody, um, you know, playing the parts. And, uh, you know, I was the only guy and I just did the sound effects, mm-hmm. right? You know, the, the thunder and the door creaking and everything like that. But, uh, yeah, we had, uh, you know, students and, and teachers. Um, and I remember and, you know, I'm... I, 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 you know, I might cut this out, but as I, cause I don't want to like out this guy, but, um, it, I got, I got a, a, an email back, uh, from, from someone and it's like, Hey, can I ask why we're doing, you know, an all female, uh, you know, rendition of Frankenstein, you know, and I, I laid out my, you know, mm-hmm. my, my thing is like, well, it's Mary Shelley. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, fe- you know, this, this great feminist piece mm-hmm. and, and, you know, even though the, the book doesn't feature a lot of, you know, uh, active female characters, mm-hmm. it is still kind of this commentary. And he's like, oh, that's, that's all well and good. Are we, are we ever thinking of doing like an all male cast, uh, you know, a production of something? Of something because it's so hard to think of a movie that is overwhelmingly right. female or a book that's yeah. of something, right? Yeah. Which is the point. And then, <laughs> and then he comes to, he's like, it's like later on, he's like, hey, did you get my email about this thing? And I'm like, yes, I got it. And he's like, hey, so did you ever think of doing like an all male? And I'm like, no. Of, of, and of. he's like, <laughs> and I'm like, because of this conversation, because of what's going on right now, it's like, we need, we need. We need more of this and less of that, please. Yeah. Oh, Let's just do Twelve Angry Men. A whole bunch. Yeah. Of you know what? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, you can do. You know what? You do like a uh, you know an all male cast of Little Women and and see how that. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, guys. Oh, Andy, thank you so much for jumping on here and doing this with us. Um, this was this was a great time. Um. As much as I love talking about The Exorcist, it was great to kind of like, you know, let our hair down and, and talk about like other things, other spooky things. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, and like I said, we've talked about a ton of horror movies over on the Next Real Film podcast. Yes. Uh, we did a whole last season. We did the whole season was uh, female film directors and we mm. did a series of horror debuts of I think that was like Messiah of Evil, Good Night Mommy, mm-hmm. The Girl mm-hmm. Walks Home Alone at Night, The Babadook, The oh, Lure, St. Cool. Maude and Relic. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's something that we've loved talking about forever. And so I mean, if people want to check out any of those shows, they can go to the nextreel.com and and uh, jump into any of those uh, those horror episodes that we've discussed in the past. Yes, guys, and I've I've listened to um uh, their coverage of The Exorcist and it is it is really really good. Um so yeah, so go check oh, them out uh, next reel, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you both. I really appreciate it and uh, happy Halloween to everyone. Happy Halloween everyone. Happy have Nevada a safe day. and spooky time. Yes, and happy Nevada day. Home means Nevada. Home means the hills. <laughs> so, uh yeah, until next time folks. Have a spooky, happy Halloween, Blake. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.